right, we are back. It is Aretha Adams, your city manager, and I am here as usual with Suzanne Brooke, our communications director. Hey, Suzanne. Hi, Aretha. Good I'm to see you. I'm excited today. This is like what our, it has to be like our sixth episode. It is sixth. Episode. Oh Number my six. gosh. So guys, if you don't know by now, we are committed. We are in this thing. We love this. We do. It's exciting. Hey, so we have a really fun episode today. I have someone that I can't wait for everybody to meet. I think they're going to instantly love him and everything that he has to say, but we'll get to that soon enough. Just as a reminder, we do this because we want to connect with everyone in the community in a fresh, current way. And we thought, what better way than to let you listen to us while you're driving around town or cooking dinner or whatever you're doing thank you for listening we appreciate it right 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 and obviously the goal is to communicate important information about your hometown to you so if you listen do us a favor and give it a share too to a few friends that live here we feel like the more people that know what's going on in Heath, the stronger we're going to be overall that's right like download share exactly Okay, we've made it to our hot topics in hometown heat section. So a couple of really important things that I want to talk about today, Suzanne, water and construction. And I know we've talked about both in previous episodes, but these are such ongoing issues that are ever changing. So I think it's really important that we talk about it. And I wanted to kind of go over water a little bit because things are starting to pick up quite a bit. Just as a reminder to everyone out there who's listening, the city of Heath is allocated 6 million gallons of water per day. We are a customer of the city of Rockwall, who is a member of the North Texas Municipal Water District. And so our allocation from that whole pie is 6 million gallons per day. And so we have to truly monitor that. You guys met Larry on episode one. He does a fantastic job of monitoring our water levels. And they Based off of our daily limit and our usage that we see throughout town, we came up with some different triggers for staged water restrictions. Right now, the city is not under any water restrictions, but we do expect that some will be coming up probably very soon. Okay, everyone, we recorded this podcast before we made it to stage two. However, we still want you to take a listen. Go check out our website. You can find out some reasons on how we made it to stage two so quickly, more quickly than we anticipated, and how to continue to conserve. You'll also find the restrictions around uh, stage two, which will include watering days for your specific addresses. So please go to heathtx.com and you will see a huge red box on that first page click on that regarding water and it'll take you directly to all of the information that you need please share the word with your neighbors who may not be aware signs are around town we are trying to get the word out we are in stage two happy summer When we hit 75% of our daily water supply limit, so that's four and a half million gallons. Once we see that our citizens are using roughly four and a half million gallons a day, we go into that stage one so that we can stave off hitting that six million gallon limit. And you might be asking, 
what does stage one restrictions entail? So as a reminder, that means your landscape watering with sprinklers or irrigation systems at each service address is limited to once per week. Foundations, trees, and other plantings may be watered at any time with a soaker or a handheld hose. So these restrictions, you know, they're not major. They're just to get you into a really good mindset of being water wise. Now, when we go into stage two, that's when we start seeing about 5.4 million gallons of water being used every day. That's getting us very close to that 6 million gallon limit. We're not there yet, but we will get there this summer if we are going to see what we've seen historically. And you guys remember last summer, we actually got to stage three. Hopefully we don't have to get there this year, but we probably will end up getting to stage two. So if we do, just as a reminder, stage two restrictions, again, your landscape watering with sprinklers or irrigation systems at each address is limited to once per week on your designated day. And you'll be able to find that information on our website. And you'll only be able to water between the hours of 7 p.m. and 5 a.m. That means that water is really soaking into the ground better. The sun's not beating down as much as the other times. So that's the smartest and best time to be watering. And then again, your foundations and trees and all of those things can continue to be watered with soakers or handheld hoses. But again, between those restricted times of 7 p.m. and 5 a.m. Then additional restrictions are no watering, including by handheld hoses or soakers, may occur between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. And then the restrictions are mandatory and violations are subject to fines. This year, we will be enforcing a little tougher than we did last year, just simply because last year we saw how very, very close we got to having some real water issues, and we don't want to put ourselves in that situation again. So we appreciate you all for stepping up, for being water-wise and responsible. And if you have any questions, always reach out to the city, but go to our website as well, because there's a lot of information, really valuable information packed on that website. So HeathTX.com and scroll down down to click the button that says help save water and you'll find out all the information you need to know anything else on water we should talk about I just want to go back to something you said about everyone will have a designated day that they can water and when we hit the stage two and stage three last year when there were designated days we had a chart in fact right now that's being studied and analyzed for the most effective way to communicate Mm -hmm. that and so you won't find that there today but if we go to stage two that will be put out everywhere possible in the most easy to understand way. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for that clarification, Suzanne. And I also just want to say, you guys have heard us probably just about every episode talking about water and the importance of conserving and all of that. And I just want to be very blunt and clear on why we keep stressing this. And it's because if we get up to a point where we have exceeded our daily limit, we will find ourselves in a situation where we're having to issue bull water notices. Our tanks could go low and and you never want to see that happen because it takes quite a while to get out of those. We saw a neighboring city go through that last year. I've seen cities in the Metroplex go around that in the past. It's not fun. It's panic inducing, to be frank. And it's just not a situation we want to find ourselves in. And honestly, I don't think it's a situation we have to find ourselves in if we can all just kind of do our part and just be water wise. Conserve. A boil notice doesn't just affect the household. It affects your businesses. Absolutely. 
schools. So Mm -hmm. if a community goes under a boil notice, schools have to close, restaurants have to close, businesses, our grocery store, because there's not a safe, secure supply of water. Absolutely. So do it for you, do it for your family, and do it for your neighbors. Thank you, guys. Okay, so I also wanted to talk about construction because that's one that just like water, it never stops. It's always ongoing. So we are still continuing the projects under our annual street paving contract. And that's where we go into the neighborhoods, into the city-owned streets, and we're patching up potholes and cracks and, you know, any other issue like that. But one of the major construction projects that's affecting a lot of folks right now, especially those in Heath Golf and Yacht and Antigua Bay, is the Hubbard Drive construction. The causeway is still closed as of today, June 26th. We are hoping that that causeway will be open in the next couple of weeks. I know the people of Antigua Bay are so great. They have exercised an extreme amount of patience uh, and understanding through this process. We've been working very hard with the developer, Mr. Whittle, and all of the contractors that he has employed. This is a developer-run project with city oversight. Unfortunately, we're not leading on the project, so there are some hiccups that we're working through. They've been great to work with, but there have been some things that we haven't expected. And right now, what the issue that we're dealing with is elevation problems with the road. So they're having to go in, cut down, probably remove some subgrade and do some additional paving prep before they start pouring that concrete. But we are almost there. I promise you, we are almost at the finish line. And so everybody cross your fingers, your toes and everything else. That brings that causeway will be open in the next two to three weeks. So if you have any questions, though, we also put out a weekly update on our website that gives kind of just a bullet point update on what's going on on Hubbard Drive. You can always go there. Or if you have questions, you can always reach out to the city to either myself directly, or you can reach out to our public works director or our CIP manager. That is Mike Shook and Matt Holzapfel. So Reach out to the city if you have additional questions, but check that website too, because you might find some answers there very quickly. All right, we have gotten to one of my favorite segments. It's Meet the Team, where I get to introduce someone to you all, an employee of the city, so you can get to know them a little bit better. So I'm going to ask my guest today to introduce himself. Tell us your name, your title, and how long you've been with the city. My name is Brandon Siri, and I'm the Director of Public Safety here in Heath. I've been here nine years today, actually, and I have 18 Congratulations. years. Thank you. Thank you. In 18 years total in public safety, I started right out of high school. I grew up here in Rockwall. I'm married. I have a wife and two kids and been the chief for just over three years. That's right. You're a COVID hire. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, chief. So you said when you introduced yourself, you said that your title was director of Mm -hmm. DPS. And I always call you chief. For those who may not know, because we are a very unique department, can you explain the DPS, what that means and what kind of department we are? We are an integration of police, fire and EMS services. In short, that is one department doing three roles with our personnel. We have all our officers are triple certified as police officers, firefighters, and EMTs or paramedic. They currently work 4896 shift, and when they're on duty, they they just rotate from either being on the fire apparatus or being a police officer. While their duties still all to say the same, I mean, they have to, at the flip of a switch, become a police officer or firefighter or EMT. Typically, their tasks are assigned by the hour of the day. 
That is very unique, very cool. I only know of, I guess, three now, three mm-hmm. departments in the in the Metroplex that do that. But can you talk to us about any kind of challenges or opportunities that the unique design of our department may present? Sure. The challenges really is is hiring people that fit in with our community and that fit in with our organization. It's hard to be a police officer. It's something I tell the guys and girls all the time. It's hard to be a police officer. It's hard to be a firefighter. It's hard to be an EMT. And someone who can master all three of those is just extraordinary. So that recruitment pool is very low. And so we're very selective as well. That's the biggest challenge we face. But I think the cool thing you said in all of that was who we do get, they're all extraordinary. Absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, you guys yeah, are a great, a great bunch. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit. It's summertime. Traffic's crazy like it always is. And it seems like it's just over the past four years since I've been here, it seems like it's really exploded more. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's going on traffic-wise, enforcement-wise on 549, 740? Those seem to be the areas that we get the most congestion and speeding and traffic and all of those things. And I think the community would really want to hear about what's going on there. So the officers, their primary enforcement, obviously, is where all our traffic is, which is a 740 corridor. So typically, the officers that are on patrol, we get a lot of complaints. We get a lot of accidents up from Travis Ranch all the way to Chandler's Landing. So that's where we focus a lot of our efforts for traffic enforcement on. All right, Chief. So shifting gears to another one of the areas under the DPS department, talk to us a little bit about fire. What does our fire service look like this year, our activity in that area? Sure. So as of right now, we've had uh, 1,369 calls for service for the year. Now, our fire service is not just responding to fire calls. They're responding to fire alarms, residential fires, commercial fires, and their biggest call for service that they see are medical calls. They also respond to all major traffic accidents along with the police officers and kind of assist. That's the unique thing about being a DPS agency is they can transition between those roles when they get on scene, whether that need to be a police matter or, or fire EMS matter. Awesome. Okay, that's really cool. Thank you. All right, Chief. So you mentioned that a lot of our fire calls for service are actually medical calls. Some people might be surprised by that. Can you talk a little bit about what role a fire station or firefighters play in a medical call? Well, within our county, EMS is contracted by private EMS services, Rockwell County EMS. But we respond to assist them and we're a basic life support agency. So we will typically beat them to our calls and within our fire apparatus is all the equipment that we use for life-saving like AEDs, ways to stop the bleed, things of that nature. Oh, that's really great. All right. So that's why everyone loves a firefighter. That's right. (laughs) Thank you, sir. (laughs) All right, Chief. So thanks for explaining exactly, you know, what the department does. But one of the other things that some people might not recognize, but I really want you to talk about today to highlight is community engagement. You guys really get out there and try to get to know all of our residents, all of the neighbors. Talk to us a little bit about some of the community engagement initiatives that you started and we participate in throughout the year. Our vision is customer service. We're customer focused, customer oriented, and we love to engage with the community and find ways that we can interact with them and they can interact with us. We know that we're a small town and we feel that way. And so it's very beneficial for our officers to know the citizens we're serving and for our citizens to know the type of officers that they have that serve them. 
So through those, we have a lot of initiatives. Coffee with a cop is one of them that we do. Pizza with public safety is one that we just had. Very big turnout, very fun. And like I say, I think it's very beneficial for the citizens. But on the other hand, the officers really enjoy it. And it's really a nice opportunity to get them out and sort of a change from what they typically deal with on a daily basis. Absolutely. I think it's so beneficial to have that one-on-one time. You know, Mm -hmm. when you go there, you see people, they kind of get one cop to themselves. It always just looks so authentic and it's just great to take ourselves to the people and not always expect them to to come to us. So kudos to you guys for everything that you do out in the community. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So since I have the top cop here for our city, you can't leave without giving the citizens some tips. Based off what you see that happens in Heath, what would be your number one crime prevention or safety tip for our residents? The number one crime prevention tip that I would say is lock your car doors, lock your house doors, and remain focused and diligent about your surroundings. If you see something, say something. Don't don't be afraid to call us or think you're going to hassle us. We want to know about every suspicious thing in the city. And we're very proud this year. We have zero burglaries of vehicles so far. We're, we're trying to keep it that way. It's a significant reduction from the last previous years. So the partnership of with our community and getting that word out, keeping your doors locked, that's one of our biggest crimes of opportunity that we see. That's a great tip. Thank you, Chief. So shifting gears a little bit, how can more citizens get involved directly with your department, with DPS? One way is what we talked about is all the community initiatives coming up when we have Coffee with a Cop, coming up when we have Peace with Public Safety. We also have our Citizens DPS Academy that will be coming up soon. We have Citizens on Patrol that do a tremendous job for us, help us out at all our events. Those are the two biggest ways. Oh, great. So, hey, everybody who's listening, if you're interested, check out our website. Stay tuned to see when you can enroll in the next class for the Heath Citizens DPS and the Citizens on Patrol. Okay, Chief, before I let you go, I have to ask you, I try to ask every employee who comes on, what is your favorite thing about working for the city of Heath? The people are are absolutely my favorite thing. I'm blessed to work in this community. I'm blessed to serve this community. And so are the officers. We all know that. It's just a wonderful place to be with the support that we have. That was the perfect answer. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy, but I appreciate you coming in and getting to let the people know you a little bit better. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Right, Suzanne, that was great hearing from Chief Siri, wasn't it? He's amazing. He and his guys are just the best. We're so fortunate to have them protecting and serving Heath. Oh, yeah, I loved it. He's such a perfect fit for this organization and for that role. So, so glad you guys got to hear more about him. All right, we're heading into the business update. So for the past few episodes, we've been telling you about new businesses that have been opening. So we've kind of cooled down a little bit. So we wanted to talk to you guys about an existing business that's already been here. Suzanne, why don't you tell us a little bit about this cool headquarters that we have here in town? Right, right. A fun fact about an existing business that many people may not know is we actually have the headquarters of a global oil and gas company right here in Heath. The name is Impact Selector International, ISI. The CEO is David Lane, and he has actually served on the EDC NBC for, oh gosh, he turned out so eight years. Yeah, he was a great Oh, he was a great leader. He was the president. Right. He was the president when the city and the EDC quickly enacted the COVID relief business program to assist our businesses during that difficult time. So anyway, his business is here. It's global. They employ Heath residents as well as interns. To boot, his firm sales tax dollars are remitted to Heath. 
so it helps our quality of life. So ISI is a supplier of equipment for oil and gas operations around the world. But here in Heath, they're very generous. In fact, ISI was the very first contributor to the Parks and Trails of Heath program, PATH, when it was launched in 2018 with a very generous $10,000 contribution that got the ball rolling on that program in a wonderful way. And also the company is an annual sponsor of the special event series. So we just want to give a shout out to David Lane, his team, and our own corporate headquarters right here in Heath. Woohoo! Thanks, David. All right, we've made it to our favorite segment. Just for fun. Just for fun. One of the cool things coming up, you mentioned our special event series, and we have a special event coming up, don't we? Correct. We talked a good amount about it in our last podcast series, but we just want to remind everybody the July 4th parade in Heath is right around the corner. Bright and early on Tuesday, July 4th, 9 a.m. Come out and watch. Be in the parade. But if you want to be in the parade and ensure that you're in the parade announcer script, please go online at heathtx.com and register. It's free. It'll take you five minutes. But then we'll have your information to give you a recognition as you go by the judges float. And there are awards for the floats and bicycles and patriotic pets, all kinds of categories. So just deck your entry out and come out and join the fun. And if you are one of the very, very few residents that have not come to the hometown Heath 4th of July parade, you're missing out. Make this year your year. Get here. It is so patriotic. It is so cool. And I guarantee you will have fun. You, Your kids will definitely get some candy. It'll be a great time. Popsicles, pies, all that cool stuff. Come right, on out. Right, right. Because as soon as the last entry of the parade goes by, you want to get back into the park by the gazebo where we have have a patriotic program and I think one of the best things we do is honor our veterans with not just verbally but with music from a live barbershop quartet and that's where the free mini pies and popsicles and icy cold water are. I'm telling you those pies are a hit with my kids every single year. Delicious. (laughs) They are delicious. All right we hope to see you there. Okay, before we wrap up, guys, you know how we always say, if you want to talk about something, if you want to ask us a question, just write us. Well, we got a question this week, and we think this has been on actually quite a few people's minds, so we're excited to address this. The question we got this week is, we are having power surges every day at our house. What is going on? It's driving me crazy, with an explanation point, guys, so they mean business. And we get it, and we have people here who've experienced it. Suzanne, you want to talk a little bit about it? Right. At our own home, we've been having the surges. It's not the city doesn't deliver your power. The city has a good working relationship with Encore and does everything from our perch to encourage them to keep addressing and studying this issue. On June 7th, they assured us there was a repair, but we're hearing that people are still experiencing these outages. It's not just the residents even. Of course, we worry the most about our residents, making sure everyone has power for all those essential needs that they have. But even our city facilities have experienced some outages. We've had a lift station with some outages, city hall with some outages. So we're all feeling it. But like Suzanne mentioned, we have a really great working relationship with Encore. They're very responsive to our concerns and our needs. So we've been communicating with them and they are working through some issues. We're really hoping that we're coming to the end of these surges that we've been seeing recently. Correct. 
think we've made it to the end of episode six. We sure have. This was a really fun episode. You can't go wrong when you have Chief Siri in the house. I mean, exactly. I think he stole the show from us today, but that's okay. If anybody's going to steal it, it should be him. He's fantastic. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. We hope we see you out at the parade on July 4th. (music) 